spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Always delighted to talk to our next guest from Mile High Sports. Uh, if you don't know him, you should, and hopefully you will. Ryan Blackburn, the lead Nuggets analyst for Mile High Sports, NBA Blackburn on Twitter and host of the Pick and Roll, or part of Pick Axe and Roll podcast. You can also catch that on YouTube. Uh, Ryan Blackburn joins us, and Ryan, thank you. Uh, th- this is, it's, I, I want to ask this in a, a strange way. Um, appreciate you being here. The Nuggets played very, very well, and Minnesota played very, very poorly. How, when you look at these numbers and you start to split it, how do you separate out which was which? Uh, it's a great question. I, I think one of the one of the most important things when thinking about this game was just how less of stakes Minnesota had uh, going from their their Friday play-in game against the Oklahoma City Thunder to a game one in Denver uh, against a, a very motivated Nuggets team. Uh, Minnesota is going to play better in this series. I have zero doubt about that. They were not ready to go. They were not precise. They were not detail-oriented, and the Nuggets were all of those things. They were ready for this game. Minnesota had two play-in games on Tuesday of last week and Friday of last week that they had to that they had to win. Uh, they didn't win the first one, but they did win the second. I, I was talking to some Minnesota reporters last night. They had their best game of the season on Friday and their worst game of the season last night. So I do expect that to normalize just a little bit, but it, it's hard to ignore uh, allowing 80 points. That's a, that's a crazy number. It's something the Nuggets haven't done all year, and I do think that there, there's a combination of both when it comes to just how badly Minnesota played. But like you said, Den- Denver rose to the occasion last night in a big way. Defensively, they did. And is that what we learned if we learned anything about the Nuggets last night, that they are capable of playing that kind of defense? And what was impressive to me was that when Jamal Murray was missing early on and he was missing a lot, he got on the floor. He put his body at risk, diving for loose balls, and that's how he got himself into the game. And the Nuggets rarely seem to play as well as they play on offense. They rarely seem to give off the vibe that they're thinking more about defense than offense. Last night, that's exactly the vibe they gave off. A hundred percent. I think that I think that the Nuggets wanted to use last night to set the tone, uh, set the tone of the series, and ensure that Minnesota had no. Uh, illusions that they would have anything easy in this series, that Denver's best level is better than Minnesota's best level on their best day. Uh, And the defensive end is part of that. It's something that we haven't really seen from Denver throughout this season. 
like you've talked about, they, they haven't had that switch. And I, I do think that Jamal Murray was a big part of that, where when you see a guy like that who's obviously struggling with his scoring to begin this game and, and struggled for most of the night, uh, to see him go on the floor, to see him blocking guys, to see him switching onto Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, playing <laughs> great defense. Right. He, he was he was a beast out there, as were a lot of Nuggets. And, and I do think that that was a collective thing that Denver wanted to take into game one uh, last night. was They wanted to send a message that scoring in Denver was going to be really, really difficult. We'll see if they could replicate it in game two, but that that's as great of an audition of, of a first performance that the Nuggets have had in a long time, basically under the Michael Malone era. Speaking of Michael Malone, obviously this team's defense was solid. This is something that Malone has been uh, talking about for a long time, and, and the performances coming into this playoffs, unimpressive. My concern is the Nuggets had kind of been sleepwalking through the last few weeks and were believing they could just flip on a switch. Well, I, I don't know if maybe I was mistaken and they did flip on a switch or if their opponent just was uh, ambivalent about the game for whatever reason, as you pointed out. But this Nuggets team really did seem, uh, they from the get-go to me, to be a team that looked ready for playoff basketball. And I have to be honest, I'm a little surprised. I think one of the big keys here is that you cannot replicate urgency. You can't do <laughs> can't that. Can't manufacture it either. Yeah, it's just it's just so hard to create that by yourself when nobody's pushing you. Denver had such a lead in the Western Conference that they didn't have to worry at all about any of these other teams. They picked and chose, pick and chose over these these last six weeks or so when they wanted to play hard against Milwaukee, against Philly for like two and a half quarters. Uh, they, they had a couple of moments. They had one against uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, of course, on March 3rd. But uh, other than those moments, they, they haven't been pushed. And, and this was the first game that you can really say, yeah, they're going to flip a page. They're going to turn a little bit of a corner and say, yeah, now the real season starts. There is urgency here. You cannot just, just lollygag into the first game and expect the other team to lay over for you. The Nuggets knew that they had to take it. They knew they had a great opportunity, given that the that the Minnesota Timberwolves had been playing do or die games in the in the last week. So they had an opportunity here. They took advantage at altitude, uh, and and I think that that says a lot about yes, they they do have a switch. They do have a, an intensity meter that they can uh, tap into when necessary. And whether they can sustain that for the entire playoff run, I don't know. But it's at least a great start. As you have suggested, uh, the Nuggets didn't require a great shooting percentage to win the game by essentially 30 points last night. They only shot 45.5% from the field. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Nuggets were the only team in the regular season league-wide to shoot 50% plus from the field. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so winning like that on a night where they only shot 45.5%, now, I listen, they were 41% on threes, 16 out of 39, and and that's going to win you a lot of games. But overall, 45.5% is, is not scintillating shooting. You'd expect to be able to replicate that, wouldn't you, for the rest of the series? Sure. There, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I think that Denver left some points on the table for sure. I didn't really like Jamal Murray's approach at the beginning of this game. I, I thought didn't that either. Denver appeared, Good point. It, it appeared a little nervous. It yep. appeared a little uh, like jittery in, in terms of the types of shots that the Nuggets were getting. 
And honestly, that kind of happens when you're challenging guys like Rudy Gobert, who's a, a great defense unto himself, but just struggles with Nikola Jokic specifically. I, I think that this is going to be interesting to see how it evolves. I think the Nuggets were working out some nerves themselves. It, it didn't manifest as much as it did for the Timberwolves, but I do think that they will be even better as this series goes along in, in a variety of other ways, whether they can replicate the, the effort and the intensity and the grit that they displayed on the defense or not remains to be seen. But uh, in terms of the offense, I, I, one, of the, one of the actual things that I do want to mention here, to be a legit championship contender, you have to find different ways to win. You can't always use the same formula because when you're on a playoff run, different teams are going to have different strengths. They're going to pick at different weaknesses on your team. And if you do not have multiple ways to win, you're going to come up against the team that picks at one weakness that you just can't overcome. The Nuggets showed that they can be a great defense just as much as they've showed they can be a great offense throughout this year. And to me, that's the most exciting thing if you're a Nuggets fan. You want to be able to win in different ways. And I think that the Nuggets know how. When you, and we're talking with Brian Blackburn of Mile High Sports, NBA Blackburn on Twitter, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. Uh, you can find that anywhere, podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, you talk about the multiple ways to win. And I think when I look at the the moves that Calvin Booth made in the offseason, adding Catavius Caldwell-Pope, who was uh, outstanding last night, adding Bruce Brown, uh, guys that sort of understand their roles. And, and to an extent, by the way, drafting Christian Brown is playing major minutes off the bench. But it, it appears that the, the players that Calvin Booth added are guys that understand you are not the stars. You are not likely to get the spotlight but we need you to be ready when we need you. And in their first playoff appearance, those three guys that, that are all added by Booth seem to pay off perfectly. And I think that sort of uh, effort probably deserves to be called out. Oh, 100%. I think that when you're, when you're trying to win a championship, not everybody can be the star. And, and Denver has two, maybe three guys, I think, that you can say, are going to be the stars pretty much every single night. It's Jokic, it's Murray, and depending on the night, Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon. Those four guys are kind of in a different class. But Michael Porter said last night that he didn't think that there was a better player in the NBA to fit around the other four starters than Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. I think he's on to something there. It's just a perfect fit he does exactly what's asked of him. He can step outside the lines if need to, but most of the time he colors inside the lines and does a great job at what he's asked to do. And the same thing goes for Bruce Brown and Christian Brown, two guys that they weren't brought in to be stars. They weren't brought in to carry the load offensively, but they made just as much of an impact on the game defensively as, as anybody out there. And with the way that those guys step up to the plate, the attitude that they have, the grit and the intensity that they have, they're the exact perfect perfect fits for Denver to get through some of these games. And the Stars will eventually carry the day, but it's really nice to see the role players shining in, in, in the first home game of the playoff run. I know it was not necessarily an incident of great tangible consequence, but I love the fact that Anderson – 25 points behind, not five points behind, 25 points behind, goes after Christian Brown, and Brown all but stands there and laughs at him. And then you have the uh, apology, in effect, of Anderson after uh, the scuffle had ended and 
uh, very you un- know, under in, embracing, uh, unimpressive scuffle. Brown, but you know, <laughs> Anderson's the so- as soft as Charmin, and we know Brown is an abrasive kind of player who can get on your nerves and also bring some skill uh, to the proceedings. Uh, the best Nugget teams over the years have been the feistiness. Uh, bring the feistiness element, have been the feistiest teams. And uh, I, I think Christian Brown brings some of that, along with other things, but brings some of that. And I thought the way that incident played out uh, made Minnesota look like a team that had no intention of really competing and was going to instead fight with its softest player. You know what's the most irritating thing for an opposing team to feel is when a team that you're that you're rooting for is easily kicking your ass and they have no answers for it whatsoever. Denver was easily defending them last night. It was with high effort. It was with intensity. But there was a lot of conversation post-game from Timberwolves players about, yeah, they were prepared. They knew our plays. They knew exactly what we were going to do. Yeah. And, and Jamal Murray said last night as well that, that this was maybe the most focused group that he's, he's seen this entire week. And, and for Denver to bring that level of focus and grit and, and to uh, put themselves in front of that, I think that that gets under an opponent's skin very easily too. Because if you have no avenue for success, if you have no way of creating the easy open shots that have been uh, available to you for most of the season, then you're going to start lashing out. And I think Anderson clearly got frustrated and Christian Brown clearly willing to stand up to him and, and, and not back down in that situation. And Denver's going to need that. They're going to get under people's skin when a team that, that, that many thought would not be a good, a good defensive team in Denver, when they start playing really good defense and, and you weren't expecting it, or um, you're, you're getting locked up by a rookie or Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., or guys that you weren't expecting to lock you up, teams are going to lash out at Denver. They're going to get pissed. And, and I hope that Denver runs with that, and I hope that they use that to their advantage. Last one for you. Uh, the quote after the game from, from Mike Conley said, almost like a group dysfunction. There were times when we had guys take tough shots for no reason, bypass the easy play for a harder play, leading to tough situations, leading to turnovers. Uh, that's that's your most veteran guy, your wisest player, and after game one, literally just called his teammates out. Uh, does that kind of show you where Minnesota really is? Well, it, it, it shows that he needed to say that. The fact that he needed to say that says a lot. Mike Conley is an excellent veteran. He knows exactly how to lead. And sometimes he's more of a soft-spoken guy, but if you need to be the tough voice in the room, they're going to respond. I feel pretty comfortable that they will play better in game two. If they don't win in game two, if Minnesota doesn't win in game two, then they will have to go all out in game three in order to get a victory. Because if Denver beats them in three straight games, that team's going to crumble. I feel pretty comfortable saying that, but... We're going to see. We're going to see. I think that this Nuggets team, they've shown us what they can do when they're fully locked in and aggressive. And I do think that Mike Conley saying that, that's at least a crack in the armor, a chink in the armor 
that you can pick at for the rest of the series, and, and hopefully they're able to do it. He is Ryan Blackburn. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at NBA Blackburn. Of course, put all the things putting together at MyLifeSports.com. Terrific content there and the host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, which you can only listen to wherever you get your podcasts, but you can also watch it on YouTube. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you. All right, Ryan Blackburn joining us. And uh, it, that, that, that quote by Conley to me was interesting to see that after one game. That's, well, he's that, the one class act who will And that's the one the guy truth. who you know that he sees his team is on the precipice and knows that if this happens again in game he, two, he they're going it. home. Listen, he knows it's over. It, 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 and he probably knew that before the series began. Uh, they they played a game on Friday night at home under very comfortable circumstances that got them into the field of 16 NBA playoff teams. Mike Conley has played on legitimately good playoff teams in mm-hmm. Memphis and in Utah, particularly. He knows this team isn't going anywhere. This team needs to be broken up. Uh, Connolly's probably not the guy to do it. Uh, Tim Connolly, I mean. They don't have a lot of um, picks to Mike, throw around anymore. But no, they have no draft picks. Uh, they have no real future. Uh, Connolly was brought in to, let's be blunt, make them a smart basketball team. As smart a player and as classy a player as Connolly has always been, one guy can't turn stupid into smart. He can. That's beyond anyone's capability. At one point, Mike Connolly Jr. was the highest paid player in the history of the NBA. Had a massive contract at one point when he uh, when he met his first free agent contact. Well, there's a new one in the NFL, and uh, if you've been listening to Sandy and I for like the last mm, couple of two, you two three years, two three, years. Uh, you would probably not be surprised who it is. Two hundred fifty four. He was dollars. even drafted. We know. <laughs> yep, we ended up talking about it. Now Jalen Hurts gets, uh, as they say, uh, the bag. We'll talk about the contract next on Miley Sports. Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. Well, all we hear about when you get these big quarterback contracts is the idea, well, what's it, what's it going to be at? How are they going to figure it out? Who's going to decide? Well, sometimes the best thing to do is just, just go first, right? Save, save the messing around. Don't worry about it. Get your team ready. Five years $255 million extension for Jalen Hurts. And, and what you solve is not only to make Jalen Hurts the highest paid player in the history of the NFL, but there's none of that. I mean, it, I think everyone assumes that one way or another, at the moment, maybe it won't be, Lamar Jackson's going to end up with the Ravens. But the longer this goes on, the more complicated the feelings are going to be. No, no matter what Jackson's new deal is going to be. Jackson's deal might dwarf Jalen Hurts. But the, but the vibe there is not going to be the same. In this case, smart move by the Eagles. Like, hey, you know what? You've been our guy. Here's a giant pile of money. Thanks. Let's keep it going, big fella. And, and that's essentially what they did. Now, could Hurts have waited? Y- yeah. I mean, we know Jackson's getting his deal. The truth is that um, Jackson he, will not get a better he, deal. He could have waited. And um, and and Justin Herbert and Joe In terms Burrow of guaranteed money, he will not get a better might deal. Might be up for something, but... 
I also would argue as good as Jalen Hurts is, he's not going to get what Joe Burrow's going to get. And so well, like, no, like no. just jump, no. jump in and, and take your money. And so in Jalen Hurts' case, everything is solved. The Eagles know that even though they've lost their coordinators on both sides to be to be assist uh, from assistants to be coaches somewhere else, the continuity starts with him. It starts with Nick Sirianni yeah. and the rest of the team and, and a really good offensive line, by the way. And they go forward. And congratulations to Jalen Hurts, the idea that when he came out of college and people figured, oh, can he can he play in this league? Um, I know you and I feel a little vindication because we were not doubters of Jalen Hurts at any at we any thought point. The Broncos we should thought have the Broncos should have absolutely drafted him, and I still think they should have. But I said in 2019, he was better. And he hadn't been drafted yet. Mm-hmm. He was better in 2019 than Drew Locke. And you you would have thought that I had oh yeah disparaged the Pope. It was strange. You know, second rounder, 53rd pick overall. And you think about the talent you saw on display. And, and this is the way I would look at it. Go back and look at what he did in college. And go and look at right now in college at Levis and Richardson. Jalen Hurts was better than those guys in, in more, at, you know, higher leverage games, oh, more important oh, games. Oh, oh, of course. Uh, winning of course. and all those sort of things. Yeah, you can look at some of some course. stats here and there. But there's there's no question Jalen Hurts was more accomplished you know, Jalen than Jalen Hurts helps, with it, not with his play and now with his contract, helps Royce Young, who I think all along has been the number one pick. And he might not be. A lot of people believe it's going to be Stroud. Uh, I wouldn't. The people believe Young, that, but... and I believed that last week to the extent that they're owner is a maniac but (laughs) i understand said maniac has been told and perhaps it came up during the interview process with frank reich if you hire me we're going to draft rice young yeah and if you don't want me to do that then pick somebody else don't hire me fair the the big part of the deal, hundred and seventy nine point three million guaranteed against which is of course when you're running quarterback, immensely important, guaranteed against injury, hundred and ten of that fully guaranteed uh, at signing. Tell me how much guaranteed money you think Lamar Jackson should get. I understand he's a former MVP mm-hmm. who's missed thirty four percent of the team's games, what, the last two years, three That's years, whatever it's been. And it t- tell me that he'll get as many guaranteed dollars as Jalen Hurts just got. No. Because I don't believe anybody will give him that I kind of guarantee. I don't think you will, and I think that's been the challenge. So, you know, L- Lamar's been he, – now, he's the franchise player for the Ravens. He'll come back and get 32.4 if they don't get a deal done for this year. But he's been looking for guaranteed money, uh, Jackson has, at, at higher than Deshaun Watson's $230 million, which, to be fair, I – Lamar Jackson has every argument, even despite the injury history, to say, I deserve more guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson. He yeah, most certainly but, does. But Deshaun Watson was given that money by fools. Right. That's the problem. And like, as you pointed out, but maniacs fool, gave fools, him that contract. Fools don't <laughs> set the market. Right. And that, I, I, I rarely side with the NFL or teams yeah, we're, we're philosophically on money a, matters, uh, but, pro but, but to act show here. As, as Jackson apparently is acting on his own without yes. official representation Old to move, suggest that, that he should get $250 million guaranteed uh, over however many years. And 
be serious in suggesting, well, Deshaun Watson got it. Well, that's the Cleveland Browns. And how many times have the Cleveland Browns beaten your teams over the years since you've been in the league? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the truth. And you know, the Browns are they overcompensated the, the the contract that Watson got was so ridiculous that, that the rest of the league just sort of likes to pretend it didn't happen. They're like, well, that was, that was dumb. <laughs> no one's going to yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah. But, but it, you know, it, it, Jalen hurts. Wasn't out there saying I need more guaranteed money than Deshaun. He Watson. was on the books. For and Jalen hurts is demonstrably a better quarterback than Deshaun. Watson. Roughly right 4 million for next year was what hurts was, would have made without the, extension mm-hmm. and and now the average value jumps to 51 of course it's really still really all about the guaranteed money as we always talk right. about but 179 million guaranteed um the the average annual value puts him ahead of aaron Rodgers and russell wilson and that doesn't really matter because uh if if, if their agent is really into that justin herbert will get more than that joe right. burrow will get uh-huh. more than that and on sure. and on and on sure but the 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 hurts deal for me is fascinating not only because i think you're rewarding a player for um instead of expectation, accomplishment, pure accomplishment. And there is an understanding that this guy is a running quarterback. Now he's bigger and stronger than Jackson and hasn't dealt with the injuries, and that's obviously helps. But there, there's been a thought process over the last few years that the, the teams would be a little less willing to give money to non-pocket passers, knowing that injuries are are almost unavoidable. Now, they're almost unavoidable for pocket pastures, too, as our, our, our friend Chan Brown says, the NFL is 100% injury rate. Well, sure. <laughs> That's what it is. Sure. But and, the, and, and then pocket pastures get hurt, too. Right. They do. If they aren't well protected, But they, the idea was, you know, would you pay a still. guy like that? And in this case, uh, give it to the Eagles. We're like, hey, we've had tremendous success under this right. player. Why are we messing around with that? Right. Well, it, before the contract came the decision, early in his first year as a head coach by Nick Sirianni to not only cast his lot with Jalen Hurts, but to change his offense to accommodate Jalen Hurts. Yes, and that's the part that is important. When you find the talent, you build around the talent. And but Sirianni he, was, was flexible enough to make he, it happen. He could have been wrong on two counts. He could have misjudged the player. We, we agree. And agreed at the time yeah. that he was writing Cashman's Law with Jalen Hurts. Sure. But it, it, he could have been wrong. And this first-year coach said, well, they aren't going to fire him after one year. Well, we've seen coaches get fired before the end of their yeah. first years or after one year. Steve Mora, Wilkes in Arizona. And some guy here last year whose name I forgot yeah, well, got Ur- fired before Mora the year was over. One's Urban Meyer. Because he cast before. his lot with Russell Wilson and cast his lot to the extent that he and George Payton gave Russell Wilson executive authority over the football team. So we that was a real risk just in going with Hurts, but to just change your offense completely for him so that he would be more comfortable running it was the, the reason the coordinator now has a head coaching job. Yeah. But it was it was the head coach's decision to do that. And both decisions paid off for him. This and decision, now Nick Sirianni is viewed as one of the top five or six head coaches uh, in the NFL with and with good reason. And with upside to boot. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody thinks the Eagles are done. 
Now, I know in sports, crazy things can happen, and maybe they won't get back to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. again. Maybe, the, the, you know, Dan Marino's to, Dolphins say, happened to Dan thought Marino. they were going to the Super Bowl after they went Never for the first back. time in Marino's second year in the league. They went to a Super Bowl, and it was unimaginable that Marino, one of the best 10 quarterbacks who ever lived would never take a team back to the Super Bowl with that offense, that talent, with that coach that they'd never get to a Super Bowl. I mean, Don Shula got to a Super Bowl with David Woodley and Don Strzok as his two quarterbacks, right? Yep. Basically splitting the duties. And that he wouldn't even, get even there the 72 more than team once got there with, with Moreno was, was unthinkable. Right. But it happens. Unthinkable. Well, but I mean, it happened. It happened. So you never know for sure. Are we starting but, to look at a situation but where. it's a sound investment. Sure. I, look, at this point, this it seems not, I think it was always a bit premature, but it was a fait accompli, right? That at this point in his career, uh, Josh Allen would certainly have gone to one Super Bowl. Um. He was expected but, to go last year, as as were the Bills, yeah. and the fact that they didn't wasn't all Josh. Adams no, it ball. wasn't. But this is. But, but it shows you how much coaching can mean when Brian Dable, who left, had yep. tutored Allen, left Buffalo, and all of a sudden Daniel Jones became, if not a great quarterback, then certainly a functional and quarterback. A guy that got himself paid as well, and right. and I will give I will say this too, even when on the, that's part of the Jones deal. Uh, Jones averaged, I think, 45. I don't have it in front of me, but something like that, right? Uh, low, it came in quite a bit lower than this uh, new deal for Hertz at 51. Oh, yeah, yeah. But sure. remember, only a couple of years ago, quarterbacks were hitting 40 when Dak Prescott got there, and we're like, whoa, what's going on, right? And uh, this is another reason why not only is it a good deal for Hertz, who also gets the first no-trade clause in the history of Philadelphia Eagles, but it's a great trade for the Eagles because, as we mentioned, Jackson's coming up, Herbert's coming up. Burrow's coming up. The truth of the matter is, he's not going to be the highest paid player in the league for long. And in a year, literally a year or two, the Eagles, by acting first, may have gotten themselves a bargain. And not not a little bit, but on the order of maybe $20, $30 million. Acting first instead of, and this is, I think, where the Ravens have made their mistake. Now, now they've alienated their quarterback, and I get it. Look, but but I guess if the injuries were a concern, then just let him go. Don't franchise. Let him go. You franchised him. You clearly want him back. So, yeah. what what are you doing? Just go out there, get a deal, solve it, get good feelings but, but back know. in the building. And maybe he can't get a deal, and maybe maybe because, because Lamar doesn't not, have an agent, and he does he's not involved in some of the details. You're not dealing with an agent. Know. The situation, and, and is you're different. dealing with a guy who's in fantasy land who believes that. He should be getting at least two hundred fifty million dollars in guaranteed money, and it's insane. The you can't do that. No, and here's the difference for too, someone who misses more than a third, and, and of virtually as, as every great season as Lamar Jackson recently, is, and Lamar Jackson when he is healthy is a guy that I will happily pay my own money to watch play quarterback. Happily, <laughs> he's a joy to watch. Oh, he's a, he's a fine quarterback. But as you said earlier, availability is ability. It is. and uh, It has something to do with as it. Is and this in key moments of seasons in recent years, he has not been available. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. It's a fact. And you don't give $250 million in guaranteed money to someone who misses more than a third of your games and misses a vast majority of your December games for the last, what, it's been three years, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, the Ravens had come into playoff situations looking like maybe the team to beat, and then the, the injury to Jackson comes up, and it's, there's nothing yeah. comparable. Hurts, by the way, 72.7% was his completion percentage in the pocket last year that was tops in the league. That's the difference. This is a guy that always could pass. Now, he made a massive leap because in 2021, his first year as a starter, he was 32nd. But. Yeah, but Allen made a massive leap, too. Right. Allen made a massive leap as well. I think with the coaching that's out there today and the way quarterbacks are developed, the the old saw, which I always bought into, uh, which was the quarterback in college doesn't complete 60% of his passes and plays, let's say, 40 games or more. He's probably not going to be all that much more accurate in the pros than he was in college. Maybe you get him to 60%, but 60% today is not good enough. No. It's not. It's 72% from the pocket. Now, I'm not saying 72% no. is but, what a quarterback finished, needs to start. He finished this but, year at 66.5%, right. which was 11th. Still not right, top 10. Right, He's not top 10 at 66.5%. He's completing almost two-thirds of his passes, and he's not in the top 10. Yeah, in the, completion percentage. The efficiency But you can't in, be where that's the thing with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was more inaccurate last year than he's generally been, yes. but not dramatically more accurate. And not enough people wondered about that when the Wilson trade was made. Well, what about the fact that he's a sixty two percent passer now? That's that's well below average. What a difference. I mean, think about this. John Elway's career completion percentage was 56.9. Right. And there's no question he's one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played well, the game. Of course. But the, the era has changed, and it is about efficiency. That's the difference. And uh, Jalen Hurts has done it. He's got it. He's got the money. By the way, he's only 24. So good job on the Eagles. Good but, job but for good Jalen for Hurts. Him I'm happy for everybody he, in he this. He earned the contract. Yeah, he did. And, and, and it's a good fit. The team's a good fit. He's played in more Super Bowls than... Lamar Jackson has played. Uh, yes, he has. No, he hasn't been MVP. Lamar Jackson has. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson is a perfectly deserving MVP in 2019. But his playoff record does not, and I'm not talking about wins and losses because more than quarterback play goes into wins and losses in the playoffs and in the regular season too, for sure. that matter. But I, I'm saying with a good team, I, I think, in the playoffs to date, when he's been healthy enough to play, he has hurt the team more than the team around him has hurt him. And you figure, well, that that's not necessarily unprecedented, right? No. Because you've played better teams in the playoffs. Of course, in most cases, your numbers aren't going to be as good, and that was always what I said about Peyton Manning, he said, so, well, his numbers aren't the same during the playoffs. No kidding. In fact, the one year he won a Super Bowl in Indianapolis, his playoff numbers are terrible. Just get the wins. Just get the wins. Jalen Hurts gets uh, paid. Enjoy the status as the top t- uh, top paid player in the NFL. Well, it lasts, it won't last very long, but uh, well-deserved. Nice to see uh, a guy get it through the hard work, especially the way he's been bounced around. So happy to see that. The Avalanche will be taking on the Kraken, but the Denver Nuggets, they won in game one in a spectacular fashion. We'll take another look at that next on Miley Sports.
Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Oh, deep breath, everybody. It's a Monday. I get that. You're back at work. But the Nuggets won. And, and maybe even win is being uh, being nice to the Timberwolves. Isn't this a great time of year now? Uh, hockey was off this weekend before the playoffs begin tonight. Right. Because tonight in the NHL. We had yeah. eight basketball games. Mm-hmm. Four on Saturday and four on Sunday. And... They were staggered in such a way, unlike the hockey playoffs are. Yeah, it all, because it's all kind of a you mess. have some overlap with the hockey playoffs, yeah. like tonight. You have a five p.m. start, then you have a five thirty start, and you have a seven thirty start, and an eight. Well, you, you kind of be switching back and forth with basketball. You could watch all mm-hmm. eight of these games from basically start to finish, right? Yeah. It's not and great it for a, my it, diet, it, but it's it, pretty it's great for the basketball. Well, that's yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, you order out. And, yeah, so and then, of course, I'm on the fourth game, and then I do it again, and in yeah, between, I'm right. eating, like, cookies and stuff. But, yeah. but, you know, whatever. We're, we're <laughs> very much goes. alike. Yeah. I, even though we were apart this week, they were very much alike in, in that way. But uh, the Nuggets uh, demonstrated in the nightcap that they have the defensive chops to be a factor in the playoffs. This feels like one of those old, and I'm I know it's one game, but it reminded me about at halftime of one of those old fights when Mike Tyson was in his prime and someone was talking a big game and they came in and Tyson popped him in the nose in the first Everybody round. Everybody has a plan right. until, until they, they get, get hit. Until they get hit. But, I mean, he popped some guy in the nose in the first round and you could just see that guy like, up, oh, I, 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 I want out. I don't want to be here. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, I want here. out. Wasn't the best example Michael Spinks? Yes. All those, you know, no, what, 90, 93 seconds, From right? the beginning, he never wanted to be in the ring. Yeah, and, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore. That That's honestly what this Timberwolves team felt like yeah. to me. What yeah. time? They were exactly like, I don't right. think I want to play this anymore. And it's, um, I give credit to the uh, the fan blog uh, uh, <laughs> that dances with, with Wolves up in Minnesota who said that the Nuggets gave uh, the Timberwolves the full James Bond treatment and left their confidence shaken, not stirred. What Solid. was the movie? Casino Royale. Right. When... He had done the first Daniel his, Craig one, right? Right. He'd done his deal with the 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 uh, shaken not stirred, right? And he goes back for the second time <laughs> after he's been beaten because <laughs> yeah. the guy he thought was an ally of his had informed the guy he was playing against. Bartender asks, poker, "Shaken or stirred? Shaken or stirred? Do I look like I give a damn?" Exactly. And I I I think I, I don't know if Minnesota even has the gumption to say, you know what? I don't give a damn. We're just going to play. Just play it out with our hair on fire. Yeah. I I don't think they have the gumption to do that. I just think they want to go home. They made the playoffs. I just, I didn't see any fight in that Timberwolves team. There was no, there there was no sense that they wanted to compete last night. Carl Anthony Towns argument. He actually said to himself, he's like, I'm a hell of a shooter. I know I'm a hell of a shooter. I just need to go make up next game. Really? If I'm the Nuggets, I'm like, please. Why don't you take seven more threes in game two? Right. Please. Right. Well, we're be, fine be our with guest. your shot selection. Be our guest. We're, we're fine. I mean. We're fine. But that's Carl Anthony Towns' problem. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is more of a quirky guy than a bad guy. By, yeah, by, by all accounts, really, a, really, ni- really, a really he's, nice he's person. A very nice man, but he, he's he's not a guy I want on my team. And I, I know there have been a variety of Kentucky players in the Calipari era who have come out. But. 
and some are like Jamal Murray, mm-hmm. who might even to an unhealthy degree be dripping. And, and <laughs> right, I actually, right? and I actually think that's but what happened at the beginning of the game. There, there are, I, I, I think, I think, I think Jamal did. came out but and he had a little too much. I'm going to get it. So players out of Kentucky, like Carl Anthony Towns, who just are there seemingly for the paycheck and to to ring up some numbers so that. His paycheck, and they were immensely talented people who understood you can get by by being immensely talented. And that you know who spotted and, and, that, and, and Towns is you know who spotted that about Towns. Although at the time he said that Towns was the most gifted player. He's ridiculous. On the Minnesota talented. Timberwolves, and this was about five years ago. Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler saw through Carl exactly Anthony right. Towns did. and didn't want to play on his team. Even though Jimmy Butler point. and Carl Anthony Towns As a pair beat of... Jokic, Murray, Barton, and the Nuggets out of a do-or-die game, yeah. game 82 in the 2017-18 season, winner makes the playoffs, loser goes home. There was no play-in tournament back home. then. And the Nuggets went home. Butler and Towns were the two big stars. And several months later, by the fall, Jimmy Butler had made it clear he didn't want to play on Carl Anthony Towns' team anymore, although in interviews he would say, Carl Anthony Towns is the most gifted player on our team. He's more gifted than I am. But the insult was that he's got about 1% of my want to and my hatred for losing. He's got about 1% of that I want out. And that's the question I guess I would ask. I don't know if we know this answer. I think we know that about Jamal Murray. I've talked about that before. I think Jamal's one of those guys that hates losing more than he likes winning. I'm not sure that's Nikola Jokic, but I also don't know if that matters as long as you have players on your team. See, I've looked at it as Jokic is the most talented player. He certainly, and I think it's not fair to say he doesn't care about winning. He most certainly does. But it doesn't burn him when they lose like it does Murray. I don't know if that matters as long as you have, in this case, Murray is not some some guy at the end of the bench. He's he's your second, he's your number two player. So if your number one player feels X and your number two player feels X, I don't know if it matters which one is which. Did you hear Jokic on with the TNT guys after the game last night? And I, Jokic is always good. But they asked him, I think it was Ernie Johnson right at the beginning said, why'd you go back in the game in the fourth quarter? And Jokic didn't miss a beat. He said, you're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, he's like, I go in, I'm told to go in. Which, again, <laughs> yeah. without his saying it, said, Coach, put me back in. Michael Malone does things that I don't understand all the time. Yeah. There was no reason to put Jokic back into the game. And, of course, you could see Jokic with ice on his hand and all this. But, I mean, Malone sometimes, do you I think, just don't Do you think that led it. into the sixth foul? I just don't get it. You know what? I thought so at the time. I, I thought, thought so he just time. wants to get off the He's floor. He's like, he knows it's over. He knows, I think he I'm going to get out. He wants to get off the floor. And this the, the, the coach who is, if nothing else, quite stubborn, was determined. It, and I, I'm digressing here, but very quickly. Malone was mic'd up last night. Mm-hmm. And ever since... Hard knocks, jump the shark. It, it's been clear that when you mic up guys, they know they're mic'd up, yes. and they go all Hank Stram on. Of course. 
right? Hey, Strim. And, and they know they're mic- mic'd up and they're going to put on a show. And uh, Michael Malone knew he was mic'd up, so he's saying things that if he weren't mic'd up, I don't think he'd say. And he was on, on this whole binge about, and of course, the two guys doing the game bought into it and thought it was really important. Well, we got to win every quarter. Well, they didn't win the fourth quarter. They didn't lose it either. It was right. 22-22 yep. in the fourth quarter. But he was saying, oh, we got to win the quarter. We got to win the corner. And, you know, it's like, so he puts Jokic back in so he can win the quarter? I mean, what's he doing? He played Murray 33 minutes. It's silly. Uh, but so Jokic answers that question. He says, you're asking the wrong guy. And Johnson follows up and says, it wasn't your idea. And Jokic kind of laughs. Then they ask Jokic, I think it was Barkley, and they were just all over uh, uh, Townsend, mm-hmm. Gobert. And so Barkley asked him a question. I mean, you, you just feast on these two stiffs, don't you? And, hmm. and, and Jokic said, no, I thought they did a good job tonight. And, you know, this, this. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to give <laughs> he's a bullet just not going to go no. anywhere on that stuff. Way too smart for that. Yeah. It is obviously a great start for the Nuggets, the uh, dominant uh, win, like I said at the, at the beginning of the show. I, I never call a series after one game, but I would say I've seen a lot call of... Call this one. I've seen a lot of series one call games. Call this one before that, game one. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's real bad. Uh, the Nuggets looked great. Of course, thanks for Ryan Blackburn for uh, joining us. Always terrific. Talk to him. NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Uh, Andrew Detmer and... And, uh, of course, um, our friend Danny Bailey in the booth making everything look and sound good. Thanks for all of you watched or listened over on MyLifeSports.com slash watch or listen or uh, on the free app, which you can always get that crystal clear sound wherever and whenever you want. We're going to hand things off to our friends at Afternoon Drive, Anila Piro and Cordy Rook. But we'll be back tomorrow to preview the Avalanches Game 1 series against the Kraken. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Thanks for listening to Mile High Sports. Be great like Elvis without the tassels. I